0: Well, it's good to see everyone this morning. Good to to be with you all. We have certainly a smaller crowd, but but we're here, and we're here for the purpose of worship. And we pray that everything we've done so thus far is pleasing in God's eyes, and, and we pray that uh, also what we have to say this morning will uh, benefit us in some way and edify us. Um, I wanted to continue on with our study of shining as lights in the world got through part of this subject in this uh, in Philippians 2 and verses 12 through 16. We got through the first half of verse 12. Now that doesn't mean this is going to be a six-month lesson uh, but um, there was just a lot here and even in verse 12 and we'll see how far we get this morning whether we get uh, the rest of it or just a portion of it this morning but just to review, last time we talked about how that the world, we, the, the society and the way that we're living, the world that we're living in today, seems to be a, a post-Christian culture. In other words, before, um, years ago, it seemed like that people, the majority of people believed in God, believed that the Bible was the Word of God, that Jesus was the Son of God. But it seems as if that maybe is not necessarily the case anymore, that if you believe in those things, you're considered old-fashioned and out of touch with society today. But that is not only present in the world, but it seems almost that it is present within the church today. We see all kinds of alternative worship styles in the world, uh, or in the religious world today. We see the the church leadership being changed to that of the woman and um, homosexual ministers and things of that nature that we are certainly seeing all these changes. And how are we as Christians to deal with this post-Christian attitude or or this post-Christian world and still remain as shining lights in this world? Just in a review, um, let's read our text this morning. For the lesson, and that comes from Philippians second, chapter verses twelve through sixteen. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not labored, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. So um, we noticed last time that we, we talked about working out our own salvation and the other points that we want to notice yet is that we can do that we need to do that with fear and trembling by letting God work in us by doing things without murmuring and disputings and as children of God without fault and holding fast the words of life so we talked about this working out our own salvation how it is our duty to make sure that we are responsible for our spiritual welfare and and for our destiny as a Christian, that we can't rely on others. We can't rely on necessarily the religious world out there because they are not really teaching the truth. We can't rely on our friends or our family, but it is truly our duty to work out our own salvation. And to do that, we develop a Christ-like character And we also put off the old man and and we grow in knowledge uh, uh, of Jesus Christ and we put off the old man and put on the new man. So we also need to develop a Christ-like service. So that means that we take on our part in the church. We do our own part whether we think we have a part in the body of Christ or not uh, we can say that we absolutely do you have a part uh, you might think well i can't give lessons i can't um, I, I don't can't hold bible studies i can't uh... wait on the table i can't lead songs But there are things that you can do and that is taking on your own part whatever it may be maybe you can visit the sick maybe you can Uh, do other things and help those that are needy, whatever it may be. In Romans the 12th chapter, verses 1 through 8, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we have a reasonable service. We have a duty as as Christians to do our part, whatever it may be. There are many things that are listed here within this scripture, and certainly some of us cannot maybe do some of these things, but there are other things that we can do. But we can develop a Christ-like service in in being shining lights in this world. We can do it by by, uh, having a proper humility, we can do it by uh, remembering others and those that need to be taken care of, in the, in the, not only in the community but within the church. So whatever our gift is, whether it be some form of teaching or serving, whatever it may be, we all should do our part in the body of Christ to be and have that Christ-like service. Also, we need to use our gifts as good stewards. 1 Peter 4 and verses 10 through 11 and as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So as children of God, as, as, as Christians, we have a duty and we have a responsibility as his servants to do what we, we can for the body of Christ. Verse 11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it with the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom praise and dominion is praise and be praise and dominion forever and ever. So each man, each person, each woman has a gift to be able to minister to others. So if we're going to shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, we must also do so with fear and trembling. Verse 12, he says to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Thayer says about fear and trembling that with fear and trembling used to describe the anxiety of one who distrusts his ability completely, to meet all requirements, but religiously does his utmost to fulfill his glory. Barnes in commentary, Barnes notes says, the reason for the ground of for fear is in this case is a general, is in general this. There is a danger of losing the soul. Now, that doesn't mean that we are necessarily afraid of God. Now there is a respectful fear that we have for God, but but we don't necessarily are we are not necessarily afraid of God. But what can happen if we do not uh, obey His commands? For illustration, when when I was home, I uh, uh, when I lived at home, I was I wasn't afraid of my dad, but I was fearful of what I would get if I didn't do what he asked me to do. Sometimes that didn't stop me from doing it. We knew we were gonna get a, a spanking or whatever and we went ahead and did it anyway. But what kept us from doing certain things was not that I was afraid of my dad, but I was in fear of the punishment that would happen. So we see so many people that are lost in sin today that, that, that should be in fear of, of allowing this to happen in their life, of allowing the, the possibility of losing their soul in life, but, but it doesn't seem that they have that fear anymore. There are also so many temptations around us every moment of the day, things that oppose the Christian life, acceptance of sin as the norm. There is the fear and danger that we can be lost by those doing those things or participating in those things. But there are others that that does not... That does not even enter their mind. There's the danger that if the present opportunity passes, of the opportunity to obey God and obey the gospel of Christ, that we may not have that moment or that opportunity again. We put off salvation maybe, and no one has certainly a moment to lose in this life. There should be fear and trembling when we realize what is at stake. If, if the soul is lost, all is lost. There's a danger of being lost forever. But we see the world, and we see what goes on around us. Sometimes that there is no fear of hell. One thing is, we we I don't I don't think I've ever been to a funeral where someone has has said that you know this this person was so bad and so rotten and so terrible that they're certainly uh, going to hell today. Uh, some of the worst people we know of, they just preach them right into heaven. Well, they're in a better place today. They're in a better place. Nobody's afraid of hell. Nobody's afraid of what uh, can happen if we don't live a life that is a shining light in this sinful and dark world. So the word fear in connection with God is not popular today. And you talk about hell today and people kind of you know stiffen up and 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 uh, and you know we used to hear these fire and brimstone sermons of the past it seems as if and now all it seems like we just have to make sure that we uh, don't hurt anyone's feelings I'm not saying we uh, but but the the world the religious world is that way it's all about entertainment and fun and excitement and the fear of God is not put into them. Jesus certainly taught the fear of the Lord, Matthew 10, verse 28. And the fear and fear not them which will which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body, both soul and body in hell. So there is a need for us to have proper fear and trembling. Without it, it's unlikely that we will seriously make the effort to work out our own salvation. So also, if we are going to, to uh, shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, we must do so by letting God work in us. Verse 13, For if for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. So to succeed as lights in the world, it's essential that, that we allow God to work in our lives and some, do something that he's able to do beyond whatever we can even think or comprehend. Notice in Ephesians 3 and verse 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. But if, if we are not careful, we can easily quench God's efforts in us. We can let things distract us from serving God and being useful to him. Also, if we're going to shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, we must must do so without murmurings and complainings. Verse 14, he says, do all things without murmurings and complaining. Living in this, the midst of a crooked and perverse generation can get us down, can get us discouraged, can... uh, to the point that we become constant complainers about everything that's going on around us instead of looking to God. But when this happens, we become ineffective. Our our influence to promote uh, the gospel becomes lessened because if we're complaining all the time, people quit listening to us. Also... We can with, with, when we talk about murmurings and complainings, we need to get along with our own brethren. Unity among brethren is extremely important and it's and we, we try to convince the world uh, of Christianity but yet we complain and, and fight amongst ourselves possibly. in Romans 12 and verse 18, if it be possible as much as lieth in you live peaceably with all men. not only those that are within the church but all men that we deal with on a daily basis psalm 133 and verse 1 behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity so if we're going to shine as lights in the world we have to get along if the body of christ is going to influence the world and be that shining light it can't be devouring itself from within with disputings and murmurings If we're going to be as shining lights in this crooked and perverse generation, we must do so as the children of God without fault. Verse 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. So that requires us to become blameless, not that we're perfect, but like elders are blameless in other words a a a fault cannot be substantiated in other words there's not there's uh, we can have people make all kinds of accusations and blame us for things that's not what it means here but not but against you they cannot establish and, and prove a fault and we should confess our sins if we are wrong and make things right we should live in such a way that we have no outstanding faults that can be held against us. They're clearly evident to others. and nothing hinders our ability to shine as lights uh, if, if we are hypocrite uh, and we're inconsistent in our Christianity. So to be children, uh, to be a shining light uh, for, for God is to be children of God without fault. It also requires us to be harmless. In Second Timothy, 2 and verses 24 through 25, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those who oppose themselves, if God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Sadly, so many called religious people in the world today appear to be using the wrong methods in their efforts to change others and come across like... They're, they would almost want to do someone bodily harm. We can't be like that. Uh, notice in in uh, Matthew ten and verse sixteen, "Behold, I send you forth as she- as sheep in the midst of wolves. But ye therefore, uh, but be ye therefore wise as serpents, and harmless as doves." So we must have that peaceful spirit, that peaceful uh, attitude, whenever we are dealing with people in the world. Finally, if we're, we want to shine as lights in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation, we must be holding fast the words of life. Verse 16, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Remember the words of God in the the word of God is the sword of of the Spirit. The only offensive weapon that the Christian has in their arsenal. Ephesians 6 and verse 10 through 17. Finding my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, Wherein ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So this is what we, we use. We hold fast the word of life. We, we remain faithful to the truth. The, the word of God is the instrument by which the Spirit convicts the world in sin which produces repentance and brings about the new birth. So it is truly the word of life when it saves people from the spiritual death that they are in and brings about a new birth. So we must stay true to the word of God if we're going to be shining lights in this sinful and dark world. When we change the truth, when the truth is changed, it loses its ability. To save the soul and save those that are lost. In conclusion, in these verses, I believe we find the way for the Christian to be that shining light in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. It involves working out our own salvation with fear and trembling by letting God work in us, doing things without murmuring and disputing as children of God without fault, holding fast the words of life." And this is how we may rejoice in verse 16, he says, and know that our labor will not be in vain. We are are lights of the world, Matthew 5 and verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So that's how we can be shining lights in the world in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation.